Hi! This is the second of a two-part season finale of Season 6 of My Favourite Game. If you want to go back and listen to the first part of this two-part finale, then check out PlayDiaries.com and all the podcast platforms for all the details. Here is the second part of our season finale. Jordan Bradley on Neopets. talk about sort of other sort of digital sort of pet games at the time because like obviously there was Neopets but like you know you talk of the likes of the, just to sort of name a few off the top, top of my head the, the main obvious one sort of the same vein Pokemon but there was also the likes of Tamagotchi, Nintendogs, Dogs basically from Ubisoft like there's obviously mm-hmm. other games but Dogs was the one that sort of is sticks out for me because I'm so this may not make sense to anyone outside the UK, but there used to be this PC manufacturer, this PC shop called Tiny, and you would have some of these games on here, like um, uh, thing sort of typing simulator type thing. Uh, I can't. George Jordan knows. Jordan knows. I remember the t- yeah the typing game. Bur- Burton ty- <laughs> Burton's typing game or something like that. I can't mind the the full name and. Pet dogs would be sort of part of it, and you would sort of look after your own dogs. I remember playing dogs very well. Like, what others, like, sort of stuck out for you, anyway? Yeah, I mean, well, all of those, really, I, I play. I remember Tamagotchis, that was definitely more primary school. Uh, everyone had their Tamagotchi, and I remember it was sort of getting to the point where the teachers in school were really just like, no more Tamagotchis in class, or a distraction, and, and it was all this here. But the thing was, if you didn't feed your Tamagotchi for more than three hours at a time, it would die. So, of course, all the kids brought theirs to school. And, yeah, Tamagotchi, that was a big thing. Um, and I was quite rubbish at it. Mine would always die. Oh, Mine was really monster. needy. It was so needy. It needed fed every, like, ten minutes. And But, goddamn, t- Tamagotchi, that was... That was a... You had to be there. That was that was a big thing. I love Tamagotchi and, like, all the little mini games you could play. And the thing that amazed me about Tamagotchi was that your Tamagotchi could grow into like different forms depending on like how well you'd looked after it or like what you'd done with it. So I always just had this fascination with, oh, what's it going to turn into? Is it going to be the one with the wings? Is it going to be this? It was just something about it just captivated all of our imaginations. And Tamagotchi, again, is one of those franchises that I'm just like, you were so ahead of your time. You could have really done something with this tech. But they kind of went more into just like sort of DS shovelware games. I honestly I don't know what happened to Tamagotchi after like two thousand and six. I have no clue mm. what happened to them. Um but yeah, Tamagotchi that that's a throwback. Loved that. I had I had the bright orange and yellow one from the original uh run of the ones in the UK that that jogs any memories for people. Um yeah, had a lot of fun with that. Uh Nintendogs obviously that was the first game I got on uh, DS. It came bundled with the, the DSs back back then. Yeah. Um I had the Labrador version because we we had um Same. we yeah, we had a, a, a lab breed uh mix. And uh yeah, I just remember playing that for ages, doing all like the wee frisbee mini games and 
learning uh you know like you learn all the tricks um and the voice commands never really worked for me i think it didn't know how to deal with northern irish accents <laughs> oh no it um, didn't. <laughs> so anytime i would try to do the obedient um courses i never i never got the gold for them like it was such a struggle to get your dog to do the tricks but i loved the frisbee one and the thing i really liked about nintendogs was kind of like how you would discover and unlock all of the toys very gradually mm. so you know depending on like what was in stock what your what items your dogs would find in walks um, you would like unlock all these different sort of like toys and I remember whenever you could unlock you know like the Mario Kart cars and you could like yeah. drive them around it was honestly just it was captivating and you know looking back at it now the games were very simple there wasn't like an awful lot of content there but it no. was more just like you could get so much out of just throwing a frisbee around for your wee cute dog and just ah, uh, it was a lot of fun fondly yeah, remember really Nintendo dogs really um, and yeah pets Pets with a Z, a Z. That was an era I remember. I had, um, I think I had, it, was, it must have been like Pets 5 or something. It was, uh, there were so many of them. Uh, but the, the the one that I had, I think um, it was one that had both cats and dogs in it. It was like a mashup. And I had some of the other like, you know, Dogs 2 or Cats 3 or whatever, the flip, so many sequels. But uh, the one I remember playing was the one that had both the cats and the dogs. And they would always, if you tried to uh, call a cat and a dog at the same time, they'd always fight each other. And it was like, <laughs> I just want them to be friends. Um, that was always a lot of fun. And even just the way that Pets as a game was, was structured, I, again, fascinating. Um, where you could load into all like the, the different like worlds. You could like go to the beach or you could go to like, like this temple. You could go to um, like a park. All these random places like one was a haunted house i think or something um and depending on like the different places that you went you could find different items mm. or your 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 pets could interact with the different um sort of like set pieces so i think in the in the temple that was where you could go to teach them how to do like the the plank walk trick or something and i, I just remember so vividly like being captivated by the fact that different things could happen in different locations and depending how well you treated your your pets they would you know be more responsive so like if you're always slapping them they'd always cower and run away and walk around all mm. sad with their tails between their legs <laughs> and, and do you remember like the paint the paintbrush you could paint yes. them different colors and i would always be painting them like mad bright green and stuff it was so much fun uh yeah just that such a simple game but the hours of fun a child's mind could have out of that yeah. uh it was just it was great I, I loved any game basically that was pet sim that you were looking after creatures. I just loved loved them. It gets so so much out of them, and it's mm. it's a genre that I really want to see more of. Mm. Now, I mean, with the, with the tech that we have now, we could have some amazing pet sim games, and it just kind of feels like it's been kind of shoveled onto mobile instead. And it's ah, it's not really the same. Mm. It's not really the same. Um, I don't know when the last time I played like a virtual pet game that I really really liked was. Uh, it's it was definitely a product of the two thousands. I think was. Oh yeah. Um. Oh, another one. Spore. That, yes. Yeah, Spore. That's a big one. Uh, product of the two thousands. Uh, speaking speaking of which. Uh, yeah, Spore. That was a, an obsession for a while. I remember getting that on PC when I was I was in uh, I think just in in second year of of high school. So I can't remember exactly, but I was absolutely captivated. And this was around about the time when uh, when YouTube was first starting to catch I think, on. I think the sport, so sport came out about 2008, I think it was. Yes, yeah, somewhere around then. I, I can't remember the exact date, but it was it was around about then. And I remember just going down this rabbit hole of 
uh, watching all these YouTubers who yeah. would make like these amazing um, big like dragons and dinosaurs out of spore, and there'd be like a whole YouTube channel dedicated to like recreating Pokemon and different like movie monsters, completely with with spore parts, mm. and people were very very. Uh, they, they were very um what, what's the word uh, creative yeah. they, they could use the cheats to basically turn off the limitations for how many parts you could have and they could make like this huge big like massive elaborate like has a hundred horns on it you know big old dragons and stuff like um people making like um was it like death deathwing from from wow um yeah, yeah, yeah. uh out of it and uh what else just like uh like this is around the time how to train your dragon came out a couple of years later people were making the dragons out of that and very creative. Uh, even people making Pokemon never quite looked right though, mm. but it was it was a lot of fun. And with Spore, like I had no interest in the civilization part of Spore at all. Like you know, the, the space stage and the civilization stage, the, the little tribe stage. Like I didn't care about that part at all. I just liked the creature creator, and, and like I just wanted to like make a big dinosaur and then run around and like eat the other little creatures. Like that was the fun part to me. And it's like <laughs> you know, you carnivore. And yeah, well, that's the thing. Spore was a lot more fun when you were the predator. Because, <laughs> uh, like, yeah, the, the, the prey gameplay was just kind of like, oh, I have to eat fruit on the ground. It was kind of a bit boring. Um, but yeah, like, that's the thing. Spore felt it was ahead of its time, but it, I think it was trying to do too many things. If Spore was just, it just focused on, like, the, the creature evolution part, mm. um, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Like, the civilization part, it just kind of felt like it was trying to be all these different gameplay modes. It didn't really work for me, um, but... You know, I I would love to see basically a spore in the twenty twenty decade. Like what they could do with like the AI and like the the procedural sort of like world. Like I, I know I know the, the the joke here would be to talk about No Man's Sky uh, a little bit, but but basically like if No Man's Sky was more about the creatures than it was about space travel and 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 that sort of thing. Like I think I would really like that game. Mm. I think that that would that would be something that would uh, captivate me for. For many, many, many hours. Mm. <laughs> uh, so you can see a trend. It's like any game about creatures and you know looking after a creature or being a creature or seeing how it would interact with the world. That was always the thing that really, really caught my attention. Like I loved seeing how, um, you know, like even in like zoo games, like, I love I love a good zoo management game like Zoo Tycoon, uh, Jurassic Park, Operation Genesis, um, even like um. Roller Coaster Tycoon 2, one of my favorite games of all time. Mm. Not about creatures, they're mm. breaking the trend there, but I still play RCT um, to this day, and it hasn't aged. It's so freaking good. Really, really good game. But all those games where it's basically about, depending on what I put in the world, how will like you know the creatures or the people in the game react to that? I yeah. love games like that. Mm. And of course, Pet Sims is, is, a, is a really good sort of genre to, to get those experiences, to get those sort of like senses of... What, what what input you put in will be rewarded in interesting things happening or oh I didn't expect them directly that or it's that sort of sense of like you really believe that you're interacting with with another another thing oh yeah that's an, that's another one actually um black and white too mm. black and white too played much of that um I actually reinstalled that the other day uh, about a month ago replayed it and uh, I finished it in about one day there's not an awful lot of the game there. Mm. Um, it's a very, very short game. And I remember being like, when I was a kid, I played this for hours and hours and hours. I played this, like, you know, I did so many runs with so many different creatures and, oh, this time I'm going to make my lion evil or this time I'm going to make my cow really good. And the um, the creature in that obviously was the best thing about it. It was, it was so, so, like, 
for the time mm -hmm. really impressive and uh, basically like you know whatever you would do it would learn from that it would follow your actions if you were uh, as a god if you were very vengeful and you would you would kill people and punish them the creature would learn to do the same by watching you that fascinated me as a kid absolutely fascinated me and i i so much that game i would ignore the city building parts and just be basically running around a field with my creature like teaching it things mm. so much fun with that um and again i'm sad that these elements you don't really see them anymore it's mm. very much a product of the 2000s and yeah it's like trying to recapture that feeling i think would would be very nostalgic for people like us but for like maybe Maybe the new generation of, of gamers, maybe they don't care about that. I don't know. Mm. But I really want to say it again. Like with the tech that we have now, we could have one of the best pet sims you've ever seen. It would be so realistic. The AI has come so far. Like I'm just imagining what we could do with a, with a concept like that. But I, yeah. I feel like after Amber, I'll, this is starting to emerge as what could be your next project. Oh, oh Johnny, don't start me. I already have like three or four ideas in here. Don't, don't, don't make me put more on the list. I've just <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, with, with Amber Teal, it's very much like uh, a lot of them are about creatures or fantasy or that sort of thing to some extent. I'm not going to say any more. Like, you know, who knows what the future holds, but it's definitely uh, sort of like the the sort of path that I mentioned going down, it's, it's sort of, and I think that that could be our wee niche. You know? <laughs> um, so what else do you like about Neopets that we've not talked about tonight? Yeah, well, what haven't we talked about? I think what Neopets really sort of achieved was that sense of belonging. Um, mm. Like the, the community was there, there was the creativity, if you're an artist, you could, you know, create all these beautiful sort of like images of your pet. But if you're a writer, you could do the same. You could submit stories. Uh, there were people who they actually submitted like multi-chapter, basically fan fictions of their Neopets characters on little adventures. And they would be published in the in the little like weekly newsletter that people could tune in and read. Um, so if you're a writer, you could do that. And there's so many different things that you could do uh, on, on the site. And even if you weren't creative... You could do other things like you could create galleries of, of like your collections you could talk about all your different achievements if you wanted to be an achievement hunter there was a community for that if you wanted to basically get all the high scores for all the games like i remember seeing users and their whole thing was just i want to get a high score for every game on the site and they got very close i mean hundreds of games that they managed to to basically beat everyone else at like there was something for everyone there really and that was what was really cool is kind of like you know obviously i was far more into the art side of things but my other friends who were, were playing it you know back in yeah yield 2007 2008 they had very different um focuses on the site which was a lot of fun um if you were more into like battling and mm. um, if you if you're into the battle dome then you could spend all of your time increasing your pet stats teaching them new moves and, and fighting um, basically you could fight a bunch of NPCs to get like go up in like a leaderboard you could fight other people um, your your pet would have this permanent like like win to loss ratio which was always really interesting um, there was just so many things uh, and that's what I'm talking about it, 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 it was quite deep uh, on the surface it's kind of like yeah it's a browser game that has very rudimentary flash games on it and like you know the, the pet designs are they're very 2000 aren't they like uh, yeah. on the surface it kind of looks like you know you could take a second glance at Neopets and, and find there's a lot more under the surface well yeah, there was a lot more under the surface 
Um, that was, you know, the, the really interesting thing. The sense of community. I know I keep going back to that, but it really was what brought me back to the site. Mm. Um, and again, it's just, it's very hard to recreate that nowadays. And I know many people who were really into sort of MMOs mm. back in like, you know, the 2000s. They're having this real sort of disenchantment at the minute because it just doesn't hit the same anymore. Um, like uh, just a lot of things going and, on in the scene. And, and there's a lot more traditional MMOs out there now these days, like World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. and especially, at least in my opinion, I'm anyway, like the best MMO on the market anyway, and like one of the best online games going any day right now. And I think that's a lot down to its community. Um, Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> but it's true. Like, yeah, all my friends are like, Jordan, you should really try it out. You really like it. And I'm like, Jordan, do you uh, know that Final Fantasy XIV has this free trial? The award-winning Final Fantasy XIV has this award of the... Oh, I don't even know the fucking I know, I know. Yeah, this, I've had this feel. And the thing is, like, I probably feel well would love Final Fantasy XIV, but my heart belongs to Guild Wars 2. I, I loved Guild Wars 2, and I'm still kind of like, I can't let it go, and... It's a sort of thing, and I think a lot of people who have played, like, you, you play your MMO, you've got one MMO in your life, right? It's hard to find time for, for two or three. And I think a lot of people, it's kind of like, you know, if they've been playing WoW since they were, like, 15 and they've spent easily thousands of hours, they're going to have, like, a bit more of an attachment to it than sort of, like, you know, hopping on to something new. Um, and, I mean, you know, I'm a bit guilty of that. I'm very hesitant to let Guild Wars go, even though uh, word in the street is... Uh, the next expansion is going to be their last and oh no like when when the servers go down that's going to be a dark day like i think we're all 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 my friend group going to have a moment of silence for that um but yeah it's it's that it's that sort of sense where it, it kind of does feel like you know those online worlds um they just kind of feel a bit more empty and I, I don't know whether that's just the way that we interact with the internet has changed since the mm. early 2000s I, I don't know whether that's because we're growing up and we're busy and we don't have all this free time after school or you need mm. to like you know, go on and do, and do dungeons and, and meet people like i know whenever i you know log into guild wars every now and then to catch up on some of the content like mm. i'm playing solo um yeah. my, my friends are in other games uh i don't really want to talk to strangers because like you know mm. this is my two hours of free time i kind of just want to chill and and relax and, and and do it at my own pace and i think it's just you know Things change, and the games that can't really adapt to those changes kind mm. of get left behind, which is you know case in point for for Neopets, uh, and then you know Spore like we talked about. Um, think a bit mm. more of some of these other games, Pokemon. Obviously, uh, it's very uh, polarizing at the minute. Um, just a lot of those things as as the games industry evolves. You know how do those genres evolve with them? Mm. Um, and I really hope we aren't looking at a future where things like pet sim games are basically just, uh, you know, pushed into the mobile market and they're just kind of like, oh, crap, little shovelware, like, you know, cookie clicker games. Um, I really hope that isn't the future for pet sims. Mm. Uh, but, uh, you know, it doesn't really look like there's much to look forward to in this space, sadly. What didn't you like about Neopets? Oh, well, well, here we go, here we yeah, go. Yeah. The, the cogs are turning, the engine's starting to rev a little bit. Mm. So, oh gosh, yeah. I mean, I can easily talk about the modern Neopets experience. Is, um, it's very sad. Mm. But um, going back to just like actually playing it in the 2000s, um, you know, I, I think even then the cracks were starting to show. Like they were starting to show many, many years before it started to go downhill. 
Um, I think the fact that they had basically built their entire um, franchise around being a browser game, mm-hmm. um, and instead of innovating that, instead of like building it out into maybe a different medium or different experiences, uh, they kept on basically building upon a foundation that was starting to crumble away. Um, and they did a few things to try and bring this back. Like they launched a bunch of like Facebook games, mobile games. They tried to do the whole trading card thing. And I mean, none of that really stuck because I mean, that's not what Neopets is. Like Neopets isn't a match three. Uh, it isn't a trading card game. It's, it's a pet sim. So it felt like they were really trying to branch out into different areas, but it kind of felt like, you know, they were losing the sight of why people were there in the first place. Then we got uh, into the days of uh, customization. So, Johnny, um, I know you didn't play Neopets, so I'll try and describe this in, in a way f- so uh, so people who have no idea what the site was about will know. But basically, back in the early days of Neopets, in the early 2000s, um, every single pet had sort of like unique uh, artwork, mm-hmm. um, unique sort of like little PNGs. And whenever you would paint your pet a specific color, that's how you change their, their, their form and their appearance and their colors, um, you would do it with a paintbrush. So... If you wanted to turn them into like a like a Halloween sort of themed pet, if you wanted to turn them into a evil sort of like bat winged one, if you wanted to change them into like a pastel pink fairy one, um, whenever you painted them those colors, they would get new artwork that would show like their different body shape. So, um, a good example of this is the T Rex Neo pet. You know, the normal colored one was just kind of like a very simple T Rex, no spikes, very chubby, very you know soft. Whenever you painted that pet fairy it turned into a sort of Chinese dragon. It had feathers, had these big feathery wings. It was pink and orange and yellow, and it had a unique pose. And the unique pose was this pet flying, because obviously when he was a T-Rex, he didn't have wings, he didn't fly. But whenever you painted him fairy, his art would change to show him flying in the sky, and it was a lot more dynamic, a lot more personality. So people wanted to paint their pets these colors because it would change their appearance. It would give them a new pose, a new character. It was really, really cool. Now, in the sort of mid-2000s, whenever, like, you know, I think this was after they were bought by Viacom, they were trying to find ways to monetize the site, and they added premium currency. And this was called Neocash. Uh, it was quite expensive as well. You Back in the day, you could get cards in, in Sainsbury's. A fiver would maybe get you, like, two pieces of customization. Could get you, like, a jacket and a hat or something like that. It was, it was, it was kind of pricey. But... They wanted to make it that you could customize your pet more than just the color. Mm. You could give them hats and clothes and props and weapons and backgrounds and all this stuff. Now that's all well and good, but if every single pet that is painted a different color has a different pose, then you would have to redraw every single um, t-shirt or you know hat or mm. pieces of clothing. So obviously they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to have to redraw a hat 500 times for all the possible species and then colors to so say that you know there's like 50 neopet species and then in every species there's like 20 to 30 different colors it could be that's a lot of redrawing right and this is yeah. back they're all still flat 2d art so they did this thing where they converted all of the pets to be the same pose so now all of the pets basically had the same side angle view with their hands outstretched for them to hold props and they all had the same pose. So whenever you painted your T-Rex, uh, it was called a growl, by the way. Uh, whenever you painted your growl to the fairy color, 
instead of him being in the sky flying with this beautiful big toothy grin in his face like you know he really felt like this mystical creature instead he was just standing to the side with his arm out just like you know the other girl just like the halloween one just like the blue one just like the black one like they all had the same pose and of course this took away all the personality all the unique art all the really nice you know poses and and, and different you know interpretations they were all now just the same png in different poses and that was really awkward because if you decided that you didn't want your pet to have a prop in their hand, then they just have this really awkward out, outstretched fist. Hmm. So it, it really just took away all of the personality. And this was very divisive in the fans. So what they did was, if you had a pet that was painted back then, uh, a specific colour, like the Halloween one, the Darigan one, the, like, um, the freaking Moroccan, the, uh, all those different colours. You can choose to convert your pet or keep it. And those were called unconverted. Um, if you chose to convert them, that means that you could put on, you know, clothes and the hats and the backgrounds. But if you decided not to convert them, you could not customize them. But you had the special, unique art that no longer was possible to get in the site. Now, as you can imagine, Johnny, this created a huge black market for these pets because people I, wanted I, them. I, I did want to discuss this black market yeah. aspect because it's baffling to me that a game like new, any game, not little new pets would have a fucking black market, basically. Oh no, it 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 does, and it still does. Uh, probably more more so now than ever because the, it's worth so... noting here this amazing polygon piece by Nicole Carpenter, who uh, I used to work with at Game Daily. That is fantastic. I will link it uh, on Play Diaries. Go check it out. Sorry, continue. <laughs> no worries. Um. So yeah, after this had happened, obviously players who had joined after the conversion they had no longer any way to get unconverted pets. The only way that you could get one is that if somebody else who already had one would trade them. So obviously the players who had been on the site longer, who had the, the unconverted pets, they were sitting on a gold mine. Those were now really valuable. Those were no longer attainable. You couldn't get those pets in those different poses. Um, and there were some pets that like, you know, they completely changed their look um, depending whether they were unconverted or converted. So like the Drake that I had, um, if you painted it Derrigan, which was basically the, the evil sort of like dark purple villain color, uh, the old unconverted pet, it was on four legs, which was really unique because the Drake stood on two legs, but whenever it was painted Derrigan, it stood on four legs and it didn't have wings, I don't think. Mm. So that completely changed the body type of the pet, making it very unique. And it was like really cool. It's like, oh, it's a Derrigan, but it's a completely different body type. But whenever the converted ones rolled around, no, it, it, it was just standing on two legs, it had the wings, it was basically, it was just such a downgrade. They took all the unique different shapes and different body proportions, because like, you know, sometimes for like the evil characters, they would make them more slender and like, you know, creepy looking. And for like, you know, some of the other characters, they'd maybe make them fatter and, and, and way more like, you know, fluffier. But in order to make the customization work, they all had the same body. It took all the personality out of it. And basically what had happened was after the conversion, they kind of said, there is no longer any way that you can get a con an unconverted pet like they just don't exist on the site anymore it's just not possible and you know that was very really really like you know you not user friendly at all it would have been very easy for them to say you have a choice of whether you want to be able to customize them and have them in the basic pose or if you want to keep them just as their old art but you can't do anything with them that would have been a click of a button and the fans would have loved that mm. so they said no it's not possible due to like the way they're coded they can't do it now, Johnny, what would happen a few years later, there was a huge scandal, huge drama, where one of the staff members managed to create an unconverted pet 
and they had it on their personal account. And everybody caught on to this and they were like, hold on a second. The, the staff say that these are no longer possible to have on the site, yet you who are on the team managed to have had one. And the way they knew this was that they checked uh, every pet on the site has an age. So whenever it was first created, it has like a little birthday. Yeah. They were able to check by how many days old this pet was, that it was made after the conversion. So they basically caught out the staff member on the lie and kind of said, look, you know fine rightly then that it is possible to create the unconverted pets. But the reason you're making it so that everybody who creates one now has to have the converted one is because then they're incentivized to mm. customize them, to spend money yeah. on those, you know, different clothing and, and props. Very, very, you know, very evil, really. And after the staff member was caught out, well, what did they do? They went in and like somehow in the back end changed the age of the pet to make it look like it was older than it was. Oh my God, that's corruption. Yeah, so honestly, you can see like as time went on, it just, it started to lose its way. It started to become, you know, very just, just very cynical, very just trying to... Cynical, jaded just sort of trying to squeeze money into people it's kind of like you know yeah like they they could have gave players the option to have the old art because let's be real the old art was so much better it was Mm. so much more charming and unique and then whenever it just turned into like the static poses and they were all the same it lost so much of it for a lot of people it kind of like it never really felt like the pets were unique anymore so having the option to create to have both would have been so easy for them to do, so user-friendly. They didn't listen to the feedback, they didn't do it. And even when a staff member was caught out, like, you know, playing the system so that they could have something that nobody else could have, mm. they lied about it and changed. Like, it, it was just, it was a bad look. They basically were just, they, as the time, as time went on, they weren't really talking to the fans directly. They weren't on the ground level hearing feedback. They were basically just doing what they could to, I guess, make investors happy, to get more money, to push their microtransaction stuff. Like they started adding, instead of adding more features to the site for more like adventure and plots and story, they started adding like these new, like, you know, daily spins, but you have to like pay Neocash for them to spin and you can win like this really rare item, but it would only work if you had this and that. And it was honestly, it was, it was just so sad to see them go down that route where all the new updates would basically just be microtransaction mm. games. There was hardly any new content. like. In in the time that I played it in late high school, and I played it a wee bit in like my first year of uni, yeah. there was maybe one or two new Flash games uploaded to the site that year. You know, back in the day, there was maybe a new game every couple of months. The only new stuff they were posting to the site was just more microtransactions. Oh, look, here's a new range of uh, premium currency dresses that you can use to dress up your pet. It basically became a, a pet dress-up sim rather than like an adventure, a breathing world with an economy and, and a community and art contests and newsletters. And and once the site started to shift to that, I think loads of people fell off. Loads of people fell out of love with it whenever, like I think the Neocash store really marked sort of like the end. Um, It just it, it just really struggled to, to monetize itself in a modern world, I think. Um, you know, after the initial buzz, after the trading cards and the plushies and after that kind of all died off, they didn't know how they could make money. Like they had a premium subscription, sure. Some people signed up to that. I did for a little while, and it was like what ten dollars a month, and you got a bunch of perks, and you know it it was what it was. But that wasn't enough. Then they had to do microtransactions and customization, and then they started adding more features where you could pay to get like better goes at different games, and yeah, just I mean, it's a story we've heard before mm-hmm. in in the games industry, where it's just kind of like oh, everything's loot boxes now, everything's uh, microtransaction. Yeah, like they they went down the loot box route, so instead of just going to the 
the premium cash store and, and like choosing a dress then you basically played like a like a like a gacha game where like you didn't know what one you were going to get but it could be like one of these 50 you know possibilities and of course more likely than not you're going to get the crap one that was only worth half of what you paid to have a go at the game in the first place and yeah whenever the new content was basically just more gacha nobody really cared about the world anymore and just just really lost that spark I really lost that imagination mm. it's kind of like you know I, I don't care about the 50 new dresses that you've uploaded like I mean I, I want to go on an adventure with my pet and there's no new games there's no new plots there's there's nothing new for like 10 years nothing really changed on the site except microtransaction right. customizables and for somebody like maybe I don't really want to play a dress up doll game with my pets what is there for me to go back to uh yeah that's that's when i really started to fall out of love with it um there are many other like i mean it being a flash game uh, all the flash games and a browser game many limitations on what you could do i think it really started to show its age um you know it, it got to the point where as technology progressed like clicking around a browser sort of site like a, like a browser game like clicking through different links clicking through different pngs that got very old very fast, I think. Um, and because it had basically, like, from the ground up, that's what it was. How do you rebuild from that? How do you make that into something else? Again, I, I don't have the answers for that, but it was just, it was a sad time, to say the least. Um, and it, over the years, you could see, like, less and less of those friends were online. Mm. People started stopped logging in. It just became kind of like a ghost town. Mm. Um, and yeah, there'd be, you know, you'd go onto the forums these days and back in the day, there'd maybe be like, you know, dozens of people posting at once. Now you'd go back and you'd maybe see like a thread that you posted four hours ago is still like, you know, the second from the top. Mm. Nobody's on the forums anymore. Uh, it's just, yeah, people just dropped off. It became sad and they were basically just trying to squeeze as much money out of the people who like just were really hooked and really still cared about the game. Uh, those people who still stayed on. They were just trying to squeeze money out of them. They weren't interested in getting new users anymore. Uh, so that's basically, I mean, very short story. I mean, if if you were to watch... The short sort of, story? <laughs> if, you, if you were to watch the history, the full history of, of the site, there are, there are probably about 50 different points in, in history where uh, you could see, you know, it going further down, you know, their their downfall. But um, yeah, that's basically where it all kind of started going wrong. And it's really, really sad. I think that went on for a full 10 minutes. <laughs> Johnny, I, uh, it's, I mean, 10 minutes, I could go on for two hours. There were so I, many things. I, I think. don't doubt that for a single <laughs> second. So many mistakes were made. So many bad leadership decisions. Uh, let half of their staff go. No more new games. And yeah, like I said, they had two or three years to prepare for for Flash becoming um, defunct. And uh, it seems that instead they kind of just, you know... Tried to shovel merch and uh, NFTs, so... Uh, well, you reap what you sow with NFTs, I guess. Um, God, it's, it's, it's odd to ask this question, um, because usually I would ask it, but Neopets is one big MMO that sort of, with elements of other games, like MMOs, and sort of uh, like creature collecting and cre uh, creature creating basically and all that there so it's hard to ask this question um with a very one-sided aspect to it but I'll, I'll ask it anyway um 
what would you change from a sort of design point of view anyway? Oh, God, okay. <laughs> oh, God, the cogs are starting to turn again. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's that's a big question. I think if I somehow was put in charge of Neopets today, um, I think you would just have to rebuild from the ground up, honestly. Like, I mean, I, I don't know whether... So it's basically a realm reborn it. Yeah, like, I, again, I, I don't know if there's any way that a browser game could work in 2021. I just don't see it. I, I, don't, I don't know how that would work, basically. Um, I think it would have to be rebuilt from the ground up, and it would have to have some very core principles that it was built upon. So that sense of adventure, that sense of having a pet that is yours, mm. that sense of a living, breathing world where people feel like they belong, like those were sort of like, I think those were the pillars that need to be there. It's not about customization. It's not about, you know, playing games and getting high scores and like, you know, sharing with your friends, sharing screenshots with your friends. Like that really wasn't what it was about. Um, it, it was about the world. It was about the people. Um, I think I would just make the focus back on that. I would basically, you know, new content should be new stories, new pets, new colours. Like, I mean, in the 10 years that I remember playing it through high school and up into uni, they released one new Neopet species. One. Back in the day, there was new Neopet species being added. Like, maybe every year or two, a new one would be added. And that was a huge deal, and everybody would want one. But no, they, they added one new pet, and it was like, what is going on? Where's the content? Where's the expansion? Where's the new worlds? Where's the new characters? Like, I, I don't get it. It's it's basically the equivalent of the gif of, wow, wow, wow. It's fucking nothing. Yeah, yeah, it 100%. Um, and again, like, I think this is too much of a huge question to say very simply, like, what would you change about new oh, pets? Yeah. I, I think, like, you know, it would have to be rebooted completely. And I know they're trying to do that a little bit now. They're trying to reboot it into like a mobile game experience, but I don't know how I feel about that. And I mean, would Neopets work as a 3D game? Uh, again, I don't know. They've tried to do 3D a few times, uh, did varying levels of of uh, of uh, success. You know, success. But um, I think you know, it has to it has to be it has to be rejuvenated. It has to be rejuvenated for a modern games industry, and it has to keep those core principles at heart. And I bet you, even if it's not a browser game, even if it's like a different sort of like a, a different approach, I bet you those old fans who love Neopets will come back. They, they say like, I, I want to see, um, you know, what does the Scorchio and, and the Drake and the Loops, what do they look like now? Like they're, they've been reimagined in, in, in 3D maybe, um, really like, like a stylized cel-shaded 3D. Maybe, you know, it's all about like you run this little corner um. You've got this little 3D like expansion, this little corner, and it's all about like you know dressing up your house, and you can see your pets actually walking around and interacting with things like, uh, like I don't know if it could be a sort of um, like sort of like maybe like an Animal Crossing, but instead of the you know instead of the Neopets being villagers, um, they're you know they're pets, and um, that's the one thing is like I think Neopets really went through an identity crisis where um, they had both sort of like the neopets were depicted as animals on four legs mm. but they were also depicted as like anthropomorphized characters that walked on two legs and had clothing so it's like you know in the same universe they had both of those interpretations and it was nobody really questioned it back then but it's kind of like you know the the loop which was the, the like the wolf character you would have one that would be wearing no clothes walking in two on, on four legs 
And then you'd have one that was like, you know, on two legs and like maybe had adventurer gear on and like was sentient and would speak and would use items. And it's like, oh yeah, like you're, you're trying to go down two directions with this. Um, you know, do they both really work in the same world? I don't, I don't know. Um, so yeah, it, it would be, it would need to really be rebuilt. I think, again, I don't know. I don't have the answers to that. It's, it's a big thing. I mean, if Neopets was kind of like, if it was like Animal Crossing, both Neopets, I, I would love that. Like, I think that'd be really cool. I mean, that's basically, I think that's been done before. Like, you know, yeah, we, that's kind of what Animal Crossing is. It wouldn't really be offering anything new, but, um, there has to be this sense of kind of like your own little world where you're interacting with your pets, you're seeing them react to things in real time, you're growing this like little collection of like items or achievements or you're decorating it and you could, you could, you know, uh, express yourself creatively through, through that instead of it being like, you know, what PNG of a dress am I going to attach to my PNG of my pet? Like, you know, that got old really fast. Mm. Um, and it's also the sense of adventure. Like, you know, when we were little kids clicking around, uh, like a like a a flash globe that had some very rudimentary animation. You could explore the desert and the and the the haunted woods and there's all these different places you could go. Like as a kid, it being a PNG, you filled in the blanks through your imagination. Now I think they would have to actually build those those worlds and have to build those like in an actual sort of like real explorable space. Uh, yeah, it's it's a big one. I don't know. Neopets needs to reinvent itself. I guess to to stay relevant. I don't know, it, it would be expensive. It would be expensive and it would be a huge undertaking. And quite frankly, I don't know if the team is really, I don't know if they want to. I, I don't think anybody who was on the original Neopets team back in the day are still there. I think it's all, be, it's changed hands a few times. I, I just don't know. And it's sad. Mm. It's sad. It's sad when you can kind of tell people who are running the show kind of like don't really have that passion for what they're doing. Mm. I think it's very easy to pick up on that though. Yeah. Um. With those factors in mind, then, like, what would you say is the legacy of Neopets and with, with all that bearing in mind? Yeah, I mean, Neo, Neopets' legacy, I mean, so many people played it as a kid. Anybody who grew up in the 2000s probably has a, a vague Neopets memory, at least to some extent. One thing that I find really, really cool is that all of the artists now who are, like, in their late 20s, early 30s, um maybe had their beginnings on Neopets. Um, Claire Hummel is a really, really excellent um, concept artist. I didn't know this until like last year. She started out as a Neopets artist. Blew my mind. Her work is incredible. And obviously they went on to be very successful like concept artists and like, you know, a bunch of AAA games and stuff. But, you know, a lot of people like myself included started off by drawing their Neopets characters and, and you know, then would go on to to creatively pursue other things and it was that sort of like that inspiration and that excitement and that sort of you know neopets harboring this creativity and excitement and the community sharing ideas with each other i think that was something that maybe inspired a lot of young people to maybe pursue something creative or imaginative like um i know a lot of people who maybe they liked Neopets in a creative way in a sort of very imaginative way that would later go on to have jobs that involved like re writing, creative writing and uh, like editing and that sort of thing. And it's kind of like, oh yeah, well, I always loved, like, you know, making up little stories about like, what, 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 what's my pet's backstory? Mm. Um, I think that's, and that's weird. It's like the legacy was kind of like 
the legacy, the impact it had on its players more so than like what it is today. Like that's the thing. I don't think many people really love Neopets in 2021. It's a very bittersweet. But the way that the game sort of like touched them back in the day, I think that never really went away. Um, and that's why it's it's a very bittersweet and sad to be talking about Neopets and the, the, the dark road they seem to be going down, you know, these days. But, you know, the the impact it had on people like me, that will never go away. That mm. will never change. That will always be what it was and what it is. And it, we would just have to wait and see if it's going to carve a new legacy for itself, if it's going to completely reinvent itself. I'm rooting for them. Uh, maybe the mobile revamp will actually be quite innovative. Maybe it will be really fun. Yeah, I hope so. I'm not holding my breath, but it would be, it would be nice. But yeah, I think it was more just what it did for people, the sort of like that first generation of very creative, very innovative, the people who had incentive to go and learn basic HTML because they wanted to show off their artwork on their site on Neopets. I think that kind of like really kickstarted a really, really interesting creative sort of time, a really creative sort of jumping off point for a lot of people um, in that generation. And that's went on to, uh, you know, spur the developers of today, the artists of today. And I mean, I can say safely, I wouldn't have become an artist if it wasn't for Neopets. And you know, I have my own game studio. So that's one one way to look at it, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Honorable mentions, go for it. So, um, yeah, Jurassic Park Operation Genesis was a big one. Loved that one. Um, Relocation Tycoon 2, still play it today. Hasn't aged a bit for me. Love it to bits. I think it may be in my top three favorite games of all time. Um, which this is the thing, it was hard for me to choose <laughs> one game. Oh, I can attest to this. I can very much um, attest to this because we've been talking about this for the better part of six months, basically. Oh, between yeah. Between approaching Jordan, because I, I talked to Jordan. So here's a fun fact. Jordan was the first, no, she wasn't the first person, but she was basically the last person to see the trailer for season five of my favorite game the night before it the lineup debuted at the NI Game Awards. That night, I asked her, do you want to do season six? That She was the first person I told that this was going to be an all-Irish lineup. And... 
I'll tell you why I'm saying this also, because <laughs> it was a line you said to me when we did that press play episode for Run, at Run to the Border about uh, sort of All-Ireland collaboration. That's where this idea sort of spurned from to do an All-Ireland season or seasons, uh, a season of my favourite game, because I feel like uh, the sort of both communities here just sort of need a bit more... Uh, not promotion, just a bit more screaming and just sort of talking about how awesome these folks are, basically. Um, but I digress. We've been talking for the better part of six months and I was trying to figure out what Jordan's going to talk about her <laughs> favourite game. And we've been talking about it, like whether that's on Discord or even in person. And it's, it's a relief that we can finally sit here in Belfast right now and talk about Neopets. Or like we we just spoke about Neopets, but you did. I had a bit of a crisis. I was like, Johnny, I don't have a favorite game. I don't. I can't pick one. I pestered her for the better part of six months. Annoyed her for the better part of six months, just to say, what is your favorite game and all that there, so we can talk about it. So, I am the blame basically um, for for the past six months, basically of pestering Jordan to see whether <laughs> she'd talk about Neopets or something else. But anyway, and now we're here. Now we're here. Now I, we're... I reckon Neopets, although it isn't like my favorite, it's like, it was more like, we, we joked about it, it's being, a, it's it's technically an MMO, but it's like, it's a collection of loads of little games, but it's like, because of the impact it had on me uh, creatively, it spurred me into being an artist, it was the reason I got my first tablet, it felt like it was an appropriate one to talk about just because it had impacted my life so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's why we, we settled on that one, because I was kind of like, okay, technically this is like, it's up there for my favorite games. It's again, I, I can't choose one, but this is definitely the most impactful because the other games that I'd played, like they did impact me, but not in the way where I literally went out and bought a tablet to learn how to draw because I wanted to draw my Neopets. So that's that. Yeah, that's right. We finally got here, but honestly, it was that sort of thing where my my taste in games is quite eclectic, and I was kind of like, oh god, what do I talk about? What one is like the one I I can't choose? So yeah, I mean. Yeah, we can kind of get it. I definitely have a theme. I like anything with with creatures in it. So mm. that that's at least a jumping off point. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. You. So I. I literally cut you off like sort of halfway through, and I think you were sort no, of talking was, about Roller Coaster Tycoon. Yeah, Roller Coaster Tycoon. Um, hasn't aged a day. Uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon Two. Um, I love it to bits. Uh, don't really care much for like the sequels, and they tried to put it in mobile, and it was like, oh, you again lost lost the heart of it. Uh, so RCT two, loved a bit. Um, I was genuinely worried when you said you could talk about RCT uh, on a, as your favorite game as well. When we sort of talked about it in person before doing this, because uh, I thought you would sort of bring up my sort of fun paradise. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, the the theme park stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, that that would be quite funny. I mean, uh, again, uh, apart from dinosaurs. The one thing that I'm really, really into is theme parks. Yeah. I love theme parks <laughs> a lot. Uh, so I could honestly talk about theme parks for like six hours. But uh, yeah, no, I, I'm sure you've had enough of theme parks for one lifetime, Johnny. Oh, God, I've had <laughs> enough of theme parks and fun fairs to last me the end of my days. So if, if you know me and you know of my past and you talk about theme park games like Roller Coaster Tycoon or, um, or any of the newer Frontier stuff, don't mention my past or any of my family ties because <laughs> otherwise we're stopping that episode here. It's like, oh, I've, I've had it. I've had Enough. it. 
Enough. If I see another Ferris wheel, I'm going to jump out the window. I saw a Ferris wheel coming down from my house uh, being built up in Edmonton Square in Derry and uh, coming here for uh, on the bus. I was just like, oh, oh <laughs> God. And, I, and then I realised, oh, wait, some of our stuff is going in there as well. I was just like, oh, <laughs> Oh, no. So you can't escape it. You can't outrun your past. There is no escape. No escape. <laughs> oh, oh no. well, yeah. Uh... Yeah, no escape from those games that even 20 years later, it is, RCT2 will be 20, I think, uh, next year, mm. which will be mind-boggling to me. Um, so that, that that's fun. I still play it. It hasn't aged. It it's just holds up so, so well. Um, so games like that, I like to play. Um, Pokemon, obviously. I, I love Pokemon to bits. Um, played pretty much every single Pokemon title um, until very recently. I've kind of Falling a wee bit out of love of Pokemon, Sword and Shield kind of dropped the ball a wee bit in my opinion. Um, if you're going to ask me what my favourite Pokemon game is, uh, hot take, black and white. Pokemon black and white, Gen 5 is my favourite. Uh, don't come at me with this whole <laughs> ice cream Pokemon. Gen 1, you know, had just as much stinkers. Um, <laughs> I love all Pokemon generations, but Gen 5 just hit differently. Um, they went hard on the artwork and the music. The music in Gen 5 is class. So yeah, Pokemon, I loved bits. Um, Pokemon Black and White is, is my favorite. Um, and again, that sort of like disenchantment with Pokemon, like Sword and Shield just felt empty. Uh, Pokemon, I don't think they made the transition to 3D mm. awfully well. And what's really crazy is that I thought uh, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, I think looked miles better than Sword and Shield. You know, like the real stylized, yeah. uh, more sort of like a toony. Uh, look, I think it's that fits the series more to me. Like, why why don't we just, you know, go go down that route? But uh, I can't say what anybody else hasn't already said a hundred times about the new Pokemon games. Like, you know, yeah, we've we've heard it all before. We'll see we'll see what the two new games coming out in the next few months are going to be like. Um, the thing they're doing, uh, Pokemon Pearl, was like the first real game that I really got into, and they're doing a remake of it, and I'm not excited. I'm not excited, and it breaks my heart to say that. It's just like it's just, it just it's just not enough. Pokemon Company, come on, come on! You can, you can do, you can do more than this. But uh, yeah, uh, th that's busy at Guild Wars Two. Spent a lot of that was more uh, uni days. Spent a lot of uni days in Guild Wars Two, um, and then even things like um, love Bioshock, uh, I love, God, what else? Uh, Portal, a lot of fun. I think everybody has Portal in their list. I think. Um, <laughs> and that's the sort of sound that sort of goes through my head when whenever somebody mentions Portal, I just think of Gladys going <laughs> in the first game and the national in Portal Two. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good game. Um, very replayable. Uh, trying to think what else. Uh, family really liked Resi. Um, mm. we I remember when we played Resi Four when it came out in Wii. Um, we had the extension that basically turned the Wiimote and the nunchucks into a gun. You yeah, know, yeah. yeah, we had that and we played um, we played Resi 4 and that was like a communal experience for us. Like we all got together and would take turns on it. And because we actually had the gun and we're shooting it, like my mum would get so immersed that she would actually like try and hide behind the gun when, the, <laughs> when like the when like the zombies were coming forward. And it's like, oh, that was that was good fun. We had a lot of fun with with that. And um, yeah, just like loads of those random we had loads of stupid like movie tie-in games that no. we just like loved a bit. Like no, we loved no, our horror nothing, stuff. Nothing says bonding with the family like playing Resident <laughs> Evil Four on the Wii with the gun. 
I know it's it's strange, but that's then me and my mum. My mum loves horror and Halloween, and so do I. And um, we actually, what we did, we had a PC and then later a Wii version of House of the Dead. You know that really, yeah, yeah. that the arcade game with the awful voice acting. And we would actually play it at home, and we would play it so much that whenever we went to the arcade, we fucking kicked ass at 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 um at flipping House of the Dead. We were able for like for like one pound coin would get us like really far because we basically we had like muscle memory, we like knew it so well. Um, so I remember like in the airport if we were waiting to go away on holiday, we'd be like, oh, there's House of the Dead too. Let's go have a go. Let's go have a go. Um, so that was like a lot of fun. Um, and House of the Dead's hard to find these days. It's, they're not in our kids anymore. I guess they're old, but you know, rest in peace. What What were you like <laughs> on the other sort of uh arcade shooting games like Time Crisis and stuff like that? There. Um, I mean, fine. I think it was more we we like the zombies. Oh. Okay. We we like the horror. We like the zombies. Okay. And because we had copies of it at home. We could practice, yeah. So we would like know whenever things would pop out, and was like, right, when you cross the bridge, they come up from the, under the bridge, and we know to shoot here. And oh, in the background of this cutscene, shoot in the corner. There's a box that gives you extra health, and like, blah, 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 blah. like you can like basically just practice and learn mm-hmm. for whenever you go to the arcade. You like, ah, oh, totally going to impress all these kids watching us play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's so sad. Um, but yeah, no, that's what I say. It's like it's an it's an eclectic mix. It's like a wee bit of everything, to be honest. Um, yeah. I know like Animal Crossing's in there, obviously. Um really enjoyed it uh that was more, again more uni days that was more of a thing um and not, yeah. a fan, not a fan of new horizons no i do like it um the basically the uh so many options so much customization i think uh visuals as well it looks spectacular but um after a few months i kind of ran out of things that i wanted to do i think it lacked the sort of um progression and drive and like motivation it, it kind of lacked yeah. a direction it lacked something for the player to work towards yeah i feel, um, I, feel I feel like with I, I, I didn't get that drive and feel they sort of continue on with it like as yeah. much as i did with new leaf yeah all. definitely and i mean i would always be very much a museum completionist in mm. animal crossing um but a lot of like the design elements from animal crossing were you know very sort of like um archaic like I know they did the whole it's on a real time clock system because they wanted it to feel like a real a real little village and like you were actually there spending actual time and time passed like um, realistically. But for somebody like me who like I have a job now, I can only play Animal Crossing at night time. Then loads of the stuff that was only available during the morning or the day, I could never get. Mm. So then what I had to do, I had to just, you know, like go into the system and like time travel. And then the game punishes you for doing that. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know, the game punishes you for trying to get around Roblox in the design. And it's stuff like that. I think kind of just like it became more fiddly than fun to play. Like a island customization where you have to do everything square by square by square. If you want to train at it and you get one block wrong and you have to redo your entire waterfall, you're going to be there for 15 minutes redoing that. Mm. Um, just those little things where it's kind of like you know this is very you know the way it's designed is not very intuitive or user friendly it's very time consuming and some people did like having to place every tile hand by hand one by one by one but for me who has a job who maybe has you know a couple of hours to play Animal Crossing in the evening I don't have the patience Mm. I wish they had some sort of like top down like you know god editor mode that you could basically just like click and drag where you wanted to to, like you know colour things or place you know uh, ledges and stuff but the game just felt too slow mm. and it felt like it was putting roadblocks where they're needing to be mm. uh, but what can I say um, it's still a beautiful game very relaxing music is beautiful um, the free updates that they keep giving you know very very you know just respect for that 
whenever you look at other titles where basically the, the bare minimum is a five dollar dlc pack right eh leaves bad taste in the mouth hmm. but yeah um i think that's kind of like sort of you can kind of see the sort of journey to the games that i like to create now mm. very much inspired by all of those different like little you know bits picked from all those different genres and titles kind of all put into one mm. um it's, yeah i'll say this much when amber isle comes out i'm genuinely curious to see what you're going to pick out from resident evil 4 and Portal. <laughs> Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, well, you'll just have to wait and see, Tony. <laughs> you'll just have to wait and see. Um, oh god. Yeah, I mean, there'll, there'll be many little elements from a bunch of different games and some very obscure games so that, you know, you get little sparks of inspiration like, oh, that's a cool idea, but I'm going to implement it like in this way instead. And I mean, I know a lot of people. Um, for Amber Isle, they're comparing it to Animal Crossing. It's like, that's yeah. a very obvious um, comparison. And there are a lot of things that are inspired by Animal Crossing, like, you know, being in a village of, you know, animal creatures and building out things and decorating. But we wanted to basically make it in such a way that it's just so much easier to do that. Um, so like I said, whenever you're decorating the village, you can kind of zoom out and instead of having to buy five different, you know, plant seeds and place them hand by hand by hand you maybe you can just kind of like open up and kind of like select the squares that you want and like do it instantly um of course we're going to test all this stuff out none of this is like final so <laughs> but basically just like taking a game that we loved bits but looking at the parts that we didn't love the gripes that we had and said like if we got to do this how would we redo it like um at the minute we've we'd been working on the inventory system for amber isle and oh boy, we had lots of opinions about how Animal Crossing did their inventory system. Oof. Not very usable, very fiddly, very just annoying to use. And we basically took that and just completely turned it and said, it's like, right, well, you know, this needs to be intuitive. It needs to be fast, it needs to be snappy. Um, so that's sort of the thing. It's like taking a game that you love, but kind of like, you know, picking apart the bits that made you frustrated or drove you away from the game and seeing how like those could be turned into something different um okay i'm going to throw the nuclear bomb out here oh dear <laughs> go on <laughs> this is considering what we just basically mentioned about 10 15 minutes ago but i'm going to throw the nuclear bomb out here i have to do it anyway because it's, it's part of every episode but i'm going to enjoy doing this i am scared <laughs> Top three games ever. What would they oh, be? No. Obviously, Neo Pets at the top. What would be second and third? He says, knowing this is going to cause Jordan agony. Oh my god. I mean, that's <laughs> in top three is in my favorite or like the best or, oh, I don't know. Um, I gotta put RCT2 in there, I think. Um, I think I may like it more than Neo Pets, but. I feel like now we need to record this. <laughs> no, it's the thing. I like it as a game more than Neopets, but it didn't have that real life-changing impact. Mm. Um, I think it's a the game is just so tightly designed. I think it's very replayable. I think it just it is just a solid, timeless game that I keep coming back to. And I can't say the same about Neopets, obviously. So I think yeah. RCT two has to be up there. 
um especially if you get uh the the fans have made um what's called open rct2 which is basically just like the core game you buy it off steam and then you basically run it through open rct2 and it basically um fixes some of like the small um issues with the game adds some new content adds like a you can play online you can play multiplayer mm. locust or tycoon and that's like mind-blowing so that you can like work with your friend on a park together and uh, load custom scenarios they've basically given the game a whole new breath of fresh life whenever it's basically abandonware now uh which you know we love to see it um so yeah i, I think rct2 what is my third pick oh god uh maybe spyro probably have to put spyro in there mm. original trilogy spyro um i think i like spyro i think ah i'm trying to think what what spyro do i like the best i think i like spyro one is i think my favorite but i think spyro three is the better designed game um that may be i don't know if that's controversial but they're all excellent so it's like very marginal uh ranking there but yes spyro um I enjoy playing the original trilogy just as much as the uh, the remaster. They, it holds up. Uh, remaster, of course, gorgeous. Uh, blew me away. I was like, this is how you bring a bring a beloved mascot back to life. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that might be my ranking. Uh, surprise, Pokemon. Maybe like you know, put Pokemon in there again. Neopets is a funny thing. I don't know if it if it falls outside of the mm. top three or if it's like a if it's like a little like you know note in the margin like oh yeah also neopets but kind of like you know in specific ways and not others i don't i I don't know but it's tricky it's a hard question johnny i I can't uh and like this then if you ask me next month that that ranking will probably be different it just yeah i get it because here's the thing i've done an episode on my favorite game featuring me Talking about The Last of Us is my favourite game. But here's here's the thing. Sometimes depending on what time of the year it is, that can also change the Metal mm-hmm. Gear Solid 3. Um, and I've gone at, 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 at length about Metal Gear Solid 3 and why it means so much to me, so I won't sort of waste time here talking about it. Um, but, yeah, it, it can sort of vary depending on the time of year. But for the majority of the year, it is basically The Last mm-hmm. of Us, so I get it. But I love asking you that question in particular because <laughs> I knew it was just going to cause you trouble. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's tricky. And I mean, like, Pokemon, it's like, what, one day, two? Obviously, like, Pokemon Black and White and Black and White 2. Um, as in Pokemon Black and White 2, not, like, Lionhead Black and White yeah, 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, oh, oh my God. That's funny because Black and White 2, both versions are in my top 10 easily. Um, but, yeah, like, Gen 5 Pokemon, I think I would have to put in there. Either that or Heart Gold and Soul Silver were excellent remakes really really good but here's the thing with with the pokemon games it's it's really difficult to replay the old games because nintendo just aren't interested in putting them up on the e-store um i think i think in the wii u you could get like crystal or and and stuff but like there's no way to play old pokemon games on the switch and the only way that you can legally play pokemon games is if you happen to find a secondhand copy in the shops and i tell you johnny like if you want to replay Hard gold and sold silver, those are going for like 120 quid in the shops. Um, I think black and white is like 80 to 100 quid. And I'm really sad because I actually I lost my cartridge for black and white too. All my progress gone, all my shinies, oh. all my mons that I'd transferred from Gen 4. I was heartbroken. I think I lost it at the airport because I, I would bring them on holiday uh, to play on, on, on long flights. And 
I was thinking, you know, last year, I really want to replay Black and White 2. It's one of my favourite, you know, Pokemon games. And I look up and it's going like 100 quid on eBay and I'm like, woof, emulator it is, I guess. Like Nintendo, I want to give you money, but you're making it hard for me here. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh dear. That's, that's sort of all you can say to it. Let's discuss in detail Amber Isle, or as much detail as we can, anyway, because last time me and you spoke on it was January of this year, me, you, and Noel. Um, we were just sort of talking about the ethos of what you wanted Amber Tale to be, and just sort of talk of those first few details that you mentioned of Amber Isle, or what was then Amber Tale. So, so here's the confusion for those sort of joining us. Amber Tale Games is sort of the studio. Amber Tale, A-M-B-E-R-T-A-I-L is the studio. Or, yeah. And yeah. A- Amber Tale is, a- the game is A-M-B-E-R-T-A-L-E. At least that was until March when we you announced it as um, Amber Isle at the NI Game Awards. That's right. Uh, yeah, so when we were first trying to find the name for, for Amber Isle, we had a real hard time trying to find something that really fit the vibe and was memorable and catchy, but also felt, you know, like it was a dinosaur game, like a, like a prehistoric sort of theme sounding game. Yeah. So we always liked the name Amber. Um, we knew that we kind of wanted that to be in it. But because we had set up our company as Amber Teal, Teal is in a cat's tail, a dinosaur tail, um, having the game be Teal as in like a story it was really confusing and people were misspelling it. People were getting the company and the game mixed up 
and it was a whole big thing and we were kind of like right okay we better change this sooner rather than later because the more we call it amber teal with t-a-l-e the more it's going to stick in people's heads so we decided to change it um you know only a couple of months in this was we only had a couple of uh, public, you know, posts and, and stuff about the community. It was uh, early days. So we thought that would be a good time to change the name. Mm. And I'm really sad because I really like Amber Teal, T-A-L-E. Yeah. I really like that as a name. But it's way more of a pain in the ass to change your company's, like, registered company name yeah. than it is to change the game of a title that, like, hadn't had a publisher on board at that stage and hadn't, um, you know, really been solidified and marketed. So we kind of thought it would be less of a of a pain to change to change the game's name and maybe we can do something that will help set it apart a bit more um so we kind of like you know went through a bunch of, of other names and ideas and amber isle kind of kind of set in because you know it's like you know there's the amber which is the dinosaurs the isle which is kind of like you know you're in this cute little small community you're on this little island village and then also because like you know well, ember or the or the emerald isle sorry um, yeah. emerald isle for ireland so yeah. it's kind of there's there's a few little like you know nods in there um and we hope that like you know it it um kind of like feels very very cute and wholesome and mm. even just like the word isle it's it's like you know island is a lot more like big and dramatic and it it like grabs attention whereas isle is it's a little softer of... yeah so we kind of thought that would that would it sounds like a good fit um so a little, little little tangent on the name there um yeah it was finding the name was so much more difficult than actually getting the gameplay nailed down we spent so long going back and forth over a name and the actual gameplay and like what we wanted to do with the characters like just instantly like you know after a day of brainstorming kind of like we're all on the page and um, and i think that's the, that is kind of the uh from what i've heard from other devs like the name is the hardest bit to pin down I can attest to that. I hate naming things so much. I hate it. I, I am not a wordsmith. <laughs> Do, how many sort of ideas did you have? Oh, we had this huge big like A2 page where we had written basically all the different words that we kind of like the sound of. So it was like, you know, fossil and leaf. So it was basically and, a bit of wordplay. Yeah. So we, we basically, we put on loads of words that we liked. So like dinosaur words, history words, cute words. So like, you know, we would basically try mashing up combinations of all the different ones. So like, you know, what about like, you know, um, like, you know, tooth or scale and what about like wood and leaf? And then it was like, it just didn't really feel right. And we did, we always liked amber. And then, you know, it, it just went from there. And we definitely just like played around with a lot. And we would basically, when we found one that we kind of liked, we would say it over and over and over and over again. Mm. And then if it felt right on our tongues, if it felt right to say, we're like, yeah, no, I, I kind of like that. It has flow, it has this, it has that. And it was a whole big back and forth. Like, yeah, it was It was honestly just mad scrawlings all over this page trying to find words that fit. And we were on like, you know, simile websites and dictionary websites searching for things. And it was, yeah, a whole big thing on its own. Um, so since we last talked in, in January, there's there's been a good wee bit of progress that's been shown on anyway. Like you teased the sort of brand new art design at the NI Game Awards anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and then... June. June happened. Wholesome Direct. Wholesome yeah. Games. Yeah. Like, like, talk to me about the response for that anyway, like, showing that off for the first time. Yeah, it was it was crazy because up until that stage, it had been quite low-key. Like, we'd shown it around, like, the local scene, and obviously we were featured in the NI Game Dev Awards, which was amazing, and that was a good uh, opportunity. We had basically just, um, Noel had recreated the shader to, to get a more sort of toony, um, bright, vibrant 
cell shaded style. Um, we were over the moon with the jump in visuals between what we had shown months ago and then. Um, so this was going to be the first time that we had basically had an opportunity to show off all of our hard work um, to a bigger audience. Uh, because until that point, this was whenever the lockdown was still really in full throw. We had been working out of our bedrooms, just like by ourselves, like Noel was in Portadown, I was up in Belfast. It felt very lonely, it felt very like isolated, insular, like it just felt like we were basically developing and working really hard in our bedrooms and nobody else was seeing what we were doing. Um, and this was going to be the first time that it felt like it was real, it was tangible and public. So we were super excited and really nervous. We were really nervous because if you've ever been on any of those sort of like any of the live streams or for like E3 or any of the like um, even like Nintendo Direct and stuff, the uh, the chat, the chats in those are brutal, absolutely brutal. Like uh, people basically, uh, I know it's like a lot of it's just like little kids and like internet sort of like people on the internet being edgy, but they basically Welcome like, you know, to the internet. Yeah, oh, man, yeah. they, they would just type in like, you know, oh, dead game or Z, 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 like Z, 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 like boring or oh, looks crap. Um, and I kind of thought like, God help any of the developers who are like, you know, on those bigger sort of like um, E3 shows because the chats were brutal. They were really entitled and brutal. So we were, we were quite nervous. We were kind of like, oh God, now that's going to be us on the stand. Now, thankfully, because it was um, Wholesome Direct, um, the audience was, you know, far more kind. They they were not toxic. Um, so, you know, that that was a good thing. Uh, we didn't really get any nasty comments, really. We had a few people being like, oh, this just looks like Animal Crossing. And mm. then we were kind of like, well, there's a lot more to it than that. But I guess at first glance, it that's what it appears mm. to be. But... You know, apart from that, we were kind of like, okay, people like it. We we didn't get loads of negative comments. Okay, that's that's good. We, we'll take that. That's really nice. Um, so, um, the actual build up, I should I should talk about a bit more for for wholesome games. Um, I had actually chatted to um one of the people who run wholesome games uh, in the past because they wanted to show off Paleo. Um, we we never did in the end. Was it um, was it James or Matthew? Matthew, okay. it's Matthew. Um, a great lot, wholesome games lot are great. Matthew's great, really, really lovely. Um, so I've chatted to him like very briefly in the past. Um, but then I think, uh, I think he hit us up. Um, was asking like you know if Amber would be interested in having Amber Owl showcased, and I was like yes, absolutely, hundred percent. Um. But the tricky thing was, uh, we weren't sure if we were going to be ready in time because they wanted um, a trailer basically done uh, by uh, sort of early May. And that gives them time to get all ready for the show, which is sort of like the second week in June. Um, and that basically gave us maybe two weeks to get our environments done, get our props done, get our characters rigged and uh, moving around the scene and getting the dialogue boxes working. Basically, we had a few weeks to just throw together what looks like a trailer. And at this stage, we had a tiny, tiny amount of funding from NI Screen, which, um, thank you very much, NI Screen. <laughs> um, but we had a tiny amount of funding and two people. So we had not a lot to go with um, and our budget was basically spent getting some music and getting some help with modeling characters. And there was a point in time where Noel and I were basically taking 
the bare minimum from the funds to pay like our bills and nothing more because we needed to stretch it out to get as much assets as we could and that's the part of game dev that's like you know uh not very glamorous when you're like sitting in your room eating you know noodles for dinner working uh the run-up to the to the the trailer and uh, noel actually came around to my place we were up to five in the morning getting the scene ready um noel was breaking his back basically getting everything functioning so like being able to like set out items in our shop and have characters come in and the dialogue um to be like you know actually workable and this is the thing we didn't want to bullshit anything for the trailer yeah. we didn't want it to appear like oh and then the dialogue box pops open but it was actually just an after effects no like everything was actually functional uh what you saw in the trailer actually worked in the game demo so we had a few days to turn that around and basically edit that into something doable um and that was one of the most intense couple of days i think in 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 my career and it being entirely situated in my, you know, spare room, tiny little like second bedroom with a bunch of computers in it and me and Noel squeezed in. That was nuts. It was, uh, we worked really hard. Uh, I think we got more done in those three days than we did like in a month. Um, and then we basically just took a week to rest afterwards, but we made it, we got the trailer done. We, we made it in time. Um, the folks at Wholesome Games were really understanding. We basically said, like, can we please just, like, can we have it to the end of the week? Like, we, we, we will get it to you. We'll get it ready. It's just, like, you know, we are we are flying by the, by the like, like the skin of the teeth sort of here. We're cutting it real fine. Mm. Um, they were very, very understanding. And, yeah, we managed to make it work. Um, and it was all worth it as well. Like, when we finally saw the, um, the, the trailer, it was just, it was that moment of just kind of like, oh, my gosh, like, we are in a show that's nuts it's no longer just in our bedrooms anymore it's 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 actually out there people can see it people can perceive me and all this you know the, the memes and all um what was also really funny was that i didn't realize that the wholesome game um, the wholesome game stream was going to be technically part of e3 i didn't know that um until like a week before and obviously noel and i were just kind of like what oh my god like it was part of the little indie the, you know the yeah, yeah. indie collective um the so we didn't we didn't know that we thought it was kind of like its own independent thing that was done just like simultaneously with we didn't know it was a, i mean it, it was it was officially independent but it was part of sort of the whole e3 program and anyway, yeah, so yeah, yeah yeah so we um that blew our minds a little i was so nervous um i was actually um like you know just pure I, I couldn't settle basically all that day um, and yeah it was just it was it was really nice it was crazy um, and it was around about that time whenever um, you know we were getting loads of publishers sort of like asking about us and people um, you know asking if we needed help with like do you need help with music or sound design or programming and we we're kind of like no we, we like we're, we, we were just like running off uh, and ice cream funds it was just two of us like we didn't have a studio or a team set up like we weren't at the stage to be pitching to publishers yet but suddenly it kind of like it just ignited this sort of like marathon to well you know strike while the iron's hot i suppose um is that it yeah yeah um so yeah it was it was just kind of like everything happened all at once um very very sleepy sort of few months in lockdown working from home just things are trickling along and all of a sudden boom wholesome games boom people are talking to us 
we got to get everything set up. We got to get everything ready. It was just, it was nuts. But for the first time, um, it felt like there was some, you know, real sort of like drive to get Amber off the ground because um, obviously over lockdown after I, I left paleo, I was in a really, you know, yeah. bad position. I felt very lost. I, I tried freelancing for a bit. It wasn't really my thing. I liked creating my own worlds and creating things, um, which is, you know, how we got around to founding. Uh, Noel and I f- founded um, Amber Tail because we, we realised like, you know, this is what we like. Let's take the leap. Um, doing that in the middle of a pandemic where everything was locked down was a, a time. That was a choice. But we we got through the other side and I think just the fact that we were showcased alongside like some of the other games on Wholesome, the Wholesome Showcase were mind-boggling. They were so beautiful. So many like amazing creative teams and to kind of be part of that, to be to be on that level, it really just, it was a humbling moment, I think. Um, and it really just gave us a lot of spirit to, you know, you know, like keep going, get the pitch deck finished, get like a demo finished, mm-hmm. get it ready to show to some publishers and that was something that, yeah, it just really made it feel like re- like this is real. This is real stuff now. Uh, it was, yeah, just a bit mind-blowing, a bit sort of like eye-opening. Mm. Uh, it puts it all into perspective, I think, mm. very much. Um, the other thing I want to ask about in relation to sort of wholesome is the sort of aspect of wholesome games as a whole, not necessarily wholesome games, the community and all that there, or the community which sort of been run by Matt and James and other folks. I want, I sort of wanted to see how you see wholesome going forward. Like, do you see it going forward? Like, how, how do you see it? Is it? Do you see it more as a movement or can it become its own sort of genre in a way? Um, See, it's funny because I'm very much of the opinion that wholesome isn't really a genre. And I know there was a lot of, uh, you know, drama and controversy and, and uh, discussion online about wholesome games back back, uh, back in, in, in June. Yeah. Um, That's yeah. yeah, honestly, like, you know, you can have your opinion on that. I don't really care if people think that wholesome is valid or cliche or cringe or whatever. Um, I think that there's definitely a community there of people who want to play games that take them out of their life for a little bit, um, that are more, you know, less stressful, less urgent, more slow, more gentle, more kind. There is definitely a huge sort of growing community around that, growing sort of audience, um, especially um, as our generation gets older. We don't really have time to play a lot of games maybe you know animal crossing is a perfect example that it it blew like you know the the sales records for the series like Mm. in its first week easily um because it came out during lockdown everybody was sad and and lonely and they wanted to escape to this little paradise island Mm. where it was always sunshine and everybody was kind to each other i think people needed that it came out when people needed it um with with wholesome games like you know like i said with my tasting games very eclectic like i love animal crossing in the same breath that i love bioshock or resi mm. um i think there's the possibility to be multifaceted like you aren't just a two-dimensional person who only likes one genre mm. i 
I think, you know, if somebody wants to make a Twitter account of, like, gory, gruesome games, hell yeah, sure, there's people like that. Like, I would probably follow it because, you know, I like horror games just as much as I like Animal Crossing. Um, so when people get really up in arms about, like, oh, wholesome games is really cringe or they're, like, you know, all this crap, woke, pastel stuff, it's like, you know, all right, dude, like, why does this bother you so much like the law the, the what is it the, the lady doth protest too much <laughs> um you know it's just sort of that thing where it's kind of like people are just like doing their thing if that bothers you that is more of a reflection of what you're insecure about rather than like you know not to get too meta about it i i also think it's not that deep i think a lot of people are just doing it to be reactionary but you know wholesome games i think there's definitely a very, very clear market there for it, very clear audience. Um, and whilst I think that it may be difficult to lump games into wholesome as an overall like single defining feature, it is sort of like a vague sort of um, term that can be used to sort of like group together a lot of the similar experiences. So there may be wholesome games that maybe include things that are quite, you know, adult or mature. Um, that's the thing, wholesome doesn't mean, you know, childish or infantilized it just means that it kind of feels you know touching moving mm. uh, cute inspiring like there's a lot of different it means something different to everybody else but for me it's kind of you know th that's what it kind of means it's it's something that like it's it's that multifaceted aspect that you were talking yeah, about yeah yeah because i mean there, there's there's a lot of games that I would say are quite wholesome games, but they're also quite sad mm. or they're, they're quite, you know, grown up or they're, they're quite, you know, you know, they're not really for kids. And mm. I think that's the sort of thing where people like have this knee jerk reaction to things that are cute. Um, and obviously with Amber Isle, it's disgustingly cute. It's like, you know, little chibi characters and everything's quite soft and there's the friendliness to it. But, and this is something that I think, hope people will find as they uh, give the game a chance uh, when, whenever it comes out um we're also going to have some moments that are quite somber and quite you know um w when we get into sort of like the characters and who they are um one gripe that we kind of had with animal crossing was that a lot of the characters felt more like afterthoughts like backdrops mm. they no longer had the depth to them uh the characters didn't really have the edge they used to like in the older games they would be quite rude to you sometimes they would basically they, they could be quite mean-spirited i think they they tried to sort of shave off those edges as the franchise went on but i think a lot of people they liked that they liked having a grumpy villager that would warm up to them as they played through the game they kind of liked it at the start so i think people really liked having the grumpy characters in animal crossing that would slowly warm up to the player because it felt more real and it felt like the character had depth whereas now in uh, new horizons um, the grumpy characters that I have, I have three grumpy characters on my island, and um, when you say grumpy, it's honestly just kind of like an old man. Mm. They're not really, you know, short-tempered or grumpy. They never say anything bad to you. Mm. And what I noticed very quickly was that the three grumpy characters that I had all pulled from like the same dialogue. Mm. Um, they all kind of said the same thing over and over again. So after a while it kind of broke the illusion. It became very repetitive. It's like, oh, yeah, these are just kind of like the same character. They're, they're written as the same character with s slight tweaks on like their name and maybe some other stuff. But at the end of the day, it's the same cookie cutter. And I think that's what really started to push some people away from Animal Crossing as a more like narrative experience was that the characters felt a lot more two-dimensional. 
they basically became backdrops for your village. They became showpieces. It's like people wanted the cute characters to move into their village, not the ones with personality. Mm. So much to the point where they'd be like trying to kick out the ones that they didn't want and get the ones that they did want in. And that's something that we do not want to do for Amber Isle. We want Amber Isle to feel more like every character has their own job and occupation and personality and they you know will have fights with each other they'll may you know give lip to the player but as you like get to know them you'll start to like you know learn things about them so oh the reason why this character is like you know so much of an ass to me is because he's like you know really struggling with like this sense of his, this part of his personality and he feels like he's being you know pigeonholed into like being a certain thing that he doesn't know how else to be and he has all this caginess around so we can have some really like sort of like a lot more very relatable very human stories in there that i think animal crossing has really just like forgotten it, it and honestly it does feel very you know the edges have been softened mm. and I, I i think for for amber like we're not gonna have characters that are like mean-spirited and like like really aggressive just for the sake of it yeah. but we're going to have characters who are going to be like you know real pieces of work or maybe there's going to be a, a character who's a bit of a Karen at first and like that can be quite fun so obviously with Ambrel there's the shop aspect where you're running a shop for for, for dinosaurs and other prehistoric um, animal villagers so we we could have a lot of fun basically like how would different personalities interact with you in that sort of scenario and then how do you befriend them throughout sort of like your time in the village mm. Uh, what stories can emerge like can you find maybe somebody doesn't like the job that they're expected to do and it's not for them but they have this responsibility to do, to do it and mm. you learn that as you get to know the character more like that sort of thing where like you feel that your relationships with the characters is meaningful instead of just being a backdrop so that's something that we're excited to explore with Amber Isle um, really getting those characters because at the end of the day People love the characters, like they come back for characters, they remember characters, they remember characters more than like, you know, oh, that was a cool tree I planted, you know? Mm. So that's one thing that we really want to get right, I think. Mm. So, Amber Isle is currently on PC, Nintendo Switch, and you're sort of looking towards PlayStation and Xbox as well, if it's doable. Um, mm. When can we expect to learn more? Yeah, I mean... I would say I can't give any specific dates, um, but just always keep an eye out on our Discord and social media. We're Ambertail Games on pretty much all social media. Um, as soon as we have dates um, for, you know, a release date or if we go into beta, I'm not sure if we will go down that path, but anytime there's a big announcement, like we will make a big announcement about it. People will know as soon as, as, soon as we can tell them. Um, but we are still very much in the start of our journey. It's still kind of in early development. Um, so just to, to be open about that. But the cool thing with being in early development as an independent sort of indie studio, we can kind of, you know, really show the behind the scenes stuff. Like you can come and join us in this journey of development from this stage where things are quite early. We're still doing the concepts, but you can follow something from concept to like the model, to the implementation, to, you know, the final experience. Mm. And I think that's really cool. If you were there, like, I remember when they posted that concept four years ago on, on Twitter. And oh, I remember seeing that. And now look, look where we are now in the game. I think that's really cool. 
But what I will say is um, we will be sharing loads of our journey on social media, on our Discord server. We give loads of behind the scenes peeks. We kind of like, you know, uh, pull back the curtain and show kind of the, some of the inner workings of how we do things. So if anyone's interested in that, like more than happy for everybody to come on, ask us questions. We do our best to, to answer any questions and with the most detail that we can. We're more than happy to, to, to talk about development, give our, our two cents on how we approach things and what we think of different things. Uh, we really just want to have this sort of very transparent, like uh, level sort of, um, we're, we're like on the ground with the community. Um, so I find that's like really fun, both as a developer and as a fan of games. I love whenever you can just go on and like ask the developers oh, I really like this thing that you did. Like, uh, what about, you know, can we see this dinosaur maybe? So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you should be excited for Amber Eyes. Definitely be excited for Amber Eyes. I hope so. I'll, I, of course I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for Amber Eyes. Like, uh, at the minute, we're still putting together some of the basic uh, gameplay loops, and I am so excited to play it myself i really want to just sit down and like have a good hour of just going through the different um the, the different loops and kind of being like is this fun is it not and it's the sort of thing where if you don't have fun playing your own game you know what's the point yeah right so i'm so excited um i'm so excited to start showing off some of the new characters i've been spending the last couple of weeks designing some of the new character designs i love this part of development i love doing the characters I'm so excited to show some of them off to the fans and the community, but I can't yet. I have to wait until they're ready. So uh, just know that I'm I'm bursting with excitement, uh, but I have she to. Yeah, she really yeah, is. I can see no, it on. I have to. I have to pace myself. I have to contain it. But um, yeah, like I, I can't wait to start showing off some of the stuff. Um, and we we got a uh, little, little, little secret, little, little, little secret. We got... Um, some of the first animation tests back for our characters, and I am blown away. I am absolutely blown away by how they look. Um, it's a sort of thing, you know, in Animal Crossing, how it's very much like they've got the flat faces. It's like um, their faces are textures and planes, and they're very chibi. There's not an awful lot of uh, geometry to them. Mm. Well, basically, we've went um, a step beyond that sort of really simple, low-poly style, and we have actually put a lot more detail on sort of facial animations and their clothing and I am so so excited because we we were kind of worried oh we're such a small studio can we really do anything more elaborate than this mm -hmm. we just got some tests back and we're kind of like yeah this this actually works this, let's let's go like the you know the sort of thing where you uh, you put down a big list of kind of like your your wants. It's like this: if we could do fully blown sort of like the our our, our dream vision this is what it would be and then like you kind of make a few concessions you make you like you know go back a bit and uh you maybe do your more realistic expectation mm. it's really cool whenever you're sort of like a hundred percent sort of uh you know dream sort of yeah yeah what, what, what's the word for that your your dream um vision it's not the right word no that's, that's um that's it your sort of dream project your sort of dream vision yeah yeah it's, it's like the the 100 percent sort of like um stretch goal version yeah. to be able to like actually oh this is really doable we, we can actually make that happen we, we don't need to reduce the the scope or anything that's such a good feeling and i really hope that people um enjoy kind of like what we've been working on mm -hmm.
if we've actually went over in, in the podcast yet what Amber Isle is. So I'll give a little spiel. Um, Amber Isle is a shop slash social sim. Basically, you are the only shopkeeper on an island of prehistoric villagers called Paleofolk. And the island has kind of uh, it's lost its way. It's become sleepy. There's no amenities and nobody's coming to the island anymore. And the mayor is on the brink of ruin. And then one day you just show up and open a shop. And suddenly the mayor is kind of like, oh, people are people are coming back to the island again. People are, okay, maybe maybe we'll keep you around. Maybe. And your goal is basically to run a shop um, that basically uh, supplies all of these different uh, prehistoric villagers with their needs and their wants and gifts and everyday objects. And this is everything from like a massive tall brontosaurus that needs a new kitchen table that's like 20 meters high or the tiny little microraptor that wants a paint set but all the paints in the other shops are too big, she can't use them. So it's your job to basically make items for all these different villagers of different shapes and sizes and needs and requirements. Um, And the goal basically is to do such a good job that you basically help run the village and at some point, then you start building uh, amenities in the village that will also do the same thing. So, you know, the, the paleo folk who like the desert, well, they don't have a desert in the village. Why don't we recreate a desert and have a dust bath? Or, you know, the, the paleo folk don't have, uh, there's no benches for the, the, the tall, large paleo folk. They can't sit down and have a picnic. So we need to build benches for everybody. And we really want to have this sense of kind of like, 
the game is about making uh it's yeah one thing it's not about capitalism it's it is a shop sim you're running a shop you're selling items but it's basically making somewhere a better place to live by making it accessible for all the different uh villagers all the different people who live there and i know that's a bit of a soppy cheesy sort of like you know uh summary of the game but what better analogy for for diversity than dinosaurs right <laughs> all different shapes and sizes and spikes and colors and and then we've got even uh apart from the dinosaurs we've got like the ice age mammals and maybe we'll have some marine ones as well and well if they're a marine reptile then they gotta have a like a like a house that's on the water and they gotta sleep in a giant aquarium tub because they don't sleep in a bed they'll need to be in the water so there's so much fun you can have with it. It's so imaginative. It's we've been taking loads of inspiration, not only from Animal Crossing, which is the obvious, you know, mm. choice, but things like Zootopia, how they um built all these big beautiful set pieces for all the different animals and just that is so much fun to design around. So that is sort of like the little um the the fantasy that we're going for. And we're also wanting the, the player to have as much creative freedom as they want so they can design their own textures. To put on anything from books to paintings to to like album covers so they can basically role play running a little art shop where they sell their own paintings and then when the the paleo folk buy a painting then they'll hang it up in their house and you can see oh look there's the painting that i did now obviously people are going to be uh, using this for very meme purposes i can just see the sort of stuff people are going to do with it but i think some people are going to have a lot of fun creating their own designs. Like if you could create your own books, uh, own book covers and give them their own titles. Like I had a lot of fun doing them in the Sims, in Sims 3, you could like create your own book titles. Oh, I had more fun doing that than the actual game. <laughs> <laughs> so we basically want the game to be so creative and so immersive. And you really want to have the sense of belonging in mm. your Amber Isle. You can follow all of us at Ambertail Games, um, not only through our official Ambertail uh, Twitter and Instagram, and we even have a Tumblr account. Um, but if you want to follow any of our um, developer accounts, we those are all listed um, on our Discord. You can find all of our accounts. My personal account is Talons Art, um, T A L U N S A R T. Um, and that's where I post basically, you know, the work that I do for Umbrella, but also like the more big creatures and monsters and paleo art and the dinos and just generally my uh, random thoughts as, a, as an arty person on the internet. So if you want to find out more about me or my art stuff, uh, you can find me Talons, Talons Art, basically on every site ever. It's my handle since I was like 16 on Neopets. So that's where that came from. It um, all comes It all circle. comes back. It all comes back. That's the thing. And I couldn't change it because that's just what I was called for. It is, yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, but uh, yeah, Talons, uh, you can hit me up on Discord. I'm always, um, you know, open for a chat. Uh, I'm very scatterbrained. So if I don't reply right can, away. Can confirm. Yeah, can yeah, confirm. Yeah, if I don't reply right away, just, you know, uh, send me a poke. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be more than happy to talk about art stuff, about game dev. If you want to talk to me about Neopets, I'll talk to you about Neopets. Uh, any of that stuff, I'd love to hear from everyone. Um, if you'd like to follow any of the rest of our staff, uh, their um, Twitter bios are linked um, <clears throat> in the uh, Discord. So I think Noel's one is Loken01, I believe, uh, on Twitter. Um, and we'll, we'll have like the full list of everybody else, like our artists as well, and um, our 
uh, producer slash community manager we're all linked there um because i don't want to get anybody's handles wrong so i don't want to set off by off by heart so uh please come follow us uh we like to share things we like to meme and kind of goof around but if you want to basically find everything you can about amber tail games uh we're easy to find Finally then, finally after, Jesus, it's been nearly, well, it says four hours, but we've basically taken a break in between, so it's actually near three hours now, actually over three hours, um, but I can just split them up into two. I, I told you I could talk oh, for no, no, hours she, and hours. She was not joking, she was not joking. Um, you, say poke, you say about poking you on Discord, do you know poking is still a thing on Facebook? Is it? Oh, Let me tell you about uh, a certain thing that happened on my birthday. And on that point, I'm going to go off the record here.